Uh, this was truly an amazing week. The Portland Sea Dogs had their 2019 hot stove dinner at the Sable Oaks Marriott in South Portland. We had a, a tremendous panel, but before the events, we announced our extension with the Boston Red Sox player development contract, which means the Sea Dogs will be affiliated with the Boston Red Sox through 2022. And our guests were terrific. We had new Sea Dogs manager Joe Oliver, Nick Lavello, Ben Crockett, and our featured guest was Keith Folk. They were all great. This week is going to be fun on the podcast. Matt McCarthy worked for me in 2013 as my broadcast assistant. Young age of 21 years old, just out of college, and Matt did a great job for me. He's got a great story how he landed at 98.5 The Sports Hub. I think you're going to really enjoy my conversation with Matt. Big week, of course, for the Patriots. They win. They're in Kansas City. We had that the, the big ice story in Westbrook. That has been huge, that, that ice, that block of ice, and the egg on Instagram. What an amazing week. And I, and I have to do this because on the podcast we're going to talk about everything. I recommend Black Mirror on Netflix. I am hooked to that show. But you're going to really enjoy Episode 5 of Behind the Mic, Matt McCarthy, 98.5 The Sports Hub. Uh, kind of a big deal now. All right, Matt, it's great to have you on uh, my podcast. Uh, you know, I think I've been inspired by so many, including yourself, to do this. And you have a great podcast at 98.5 The Sports Hub. And it just seems like this is the way of the future. Yeah, Mike, it really is. And thanks so much for having me on. I really, really appreciate it. It is. You know, it's you, you think about audio entertainment and, you know, how it used to just be radio and AM, FM dial. Like, think about all the options that you have nowadays, you know, you've got satellite radio and, you know, music streaming services and, and, you know, now podcasts. And, you know, I think so long as the automobile exists, audio <laughs> entertainment is going to exist and, and podcasts are, are a great, I, I shouldn't even say new way, uh, but, but a great way to, to, you know, just carry that tradition on. It's, it's not just old AM FM radio anymore. That's for sure. Yeah. And it's great. You know, I think for these venues like radio and TV stations, because, you have podcasts that might cut into what they're doing, but then, for instance, in your business at 98.5, you guys decide to add podcasts. It just makes everything better. Yeah, it's been a real it's been a real push that we've had in the last year or two, and you know maybe we're behind on the game because I mean podcasts have been so big, but you know for for really quite some time now. But it's been a real push that we've had to you know just create more content beyond our normal you know six a.m. to midnight content you know every day on your radio dial or on the app or however you're listening to us streaming you know whatever. It's been a way for us to really uh, dive more into subjects that we wouldn't dive into on a regular talk radio show you know we have a very popular wrestling podcast yeah uh, for fans of you know wwe you know hardcore baseball my podcast you know we go into the minor leagues we go really in depth something that you wouldn't hear say on felgren maserati from two to six you know so we'll, we'll do that you know it's been a real opportunity for us to to explore some some areas of content that that we might not normally explore and you know it gives the the listener the option uh, you know, to really pick something that they're interested in and, you know, become a, a subscriber or, you know, become a, a regular listener of a topic that they're really, really passionate about. You know, you're not appealing to maybe a mass audience the way you do on a regular, you know, two to six afternoon radio program. You're appealing to that real baseball, Nick, you know, that person who loves, 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 loves everything about baseball or, you know, somebody who's really into wrestling or somebody who's really into uh, sports gambling. We have a very popular sports gambling podcast. 
you know, that you wouldn't necessarily get for four hours on a regular radio show. So it's been a, it's been a real way for us to to expand our audience and, and to deliver more content to people who are looking for more specified content. It's I, I think it's been great for us. Yeah, and I think to your point, when you're going to do these, you know, and I'm learning that too, you've got to provide content, you know, in a, a talk show on the radio, it can be caller driven, so you can go into different angles. But if you're going to do, you know, some of these guys are doing two, three hours of programming, and I think it steps your game up, and I think it makes you better as a broadcaster. I couldn't agree more. And you know, content is king, Mike. Right? I mean, you know, there is such a, a pressure to deliver content, and you know, in this day and age, you know, people want what they want. They want it now. They want it immediately. And you know, that's that's the thing about you know podcasting, which. I find interesting because, you know, for example, we do podcasts on a weekly basis, and there's so many great podcasts out there that are much more feature-based. Um, you know, you think about like PBS and Frontline, and they do great work, great work on their podcasts, and they do, you know, long-form investigative journalism, and you know, there's some really great, great stuff. You know, but maybe in the sports world, you know, where everything is so immediate, how do you provide content on a weekly basis when something is changing daily? hourly you know how do you there's there's a real that you really have to juggle that Uh, and i think that's one of the challenges that i found the most in in, you know doing my podcast because all right let's say a podcast comes out on a tuesday let's say the red sox and the yankees played you know a big game on a sunday night well by thursday nobody cares about that they're on to the orioles series or you know whatever else is going on with the team so i think that's that's one of the challenges at least that i've found uh is you know providing up-to-date content on more of a weekly basis or on, you know, more of a regularly scheduled basis in a world that is so daily and hourly and even down to the minute and the second, uh, the way that our world is now, particularly with the way that social media is. In the, uh, in my intro, Matt, you know, I did the big radio tease. I, I said how we, uh, you and I got to know each other, but I'm like, you you have to listen to the podcast to find out. Uh, we work together here in Portland, but, my greatest memory for you is uh, our trip to Fenway Park when we broadcasted a game there, and that kind of led you into where you are now. That was a special day, and I was glad to be there with you. Mike, you know, it's one of the great memories of my life, and, and you're, you know, kind of front and center, at, you know, at that one of the, the coolest days I've ever experienced. You know, we got up, I think we met at what four or five in the morning, and, yeah. You know, and drove down to Fenway, and you know, we got to Fenway, and we, and you and I just walked the ballpark. Um, you know, like, you know, there, there's a reason why we got into doing this we, we love it you know yeah. we love baseball and we both grew up in the boston area and we love you know red sox baseball and walking around the press box and you know seeing where sherm feller you know was and you know seeing all the photos of of the great red sox radio broadcasters and you know everything that that you know went into making Fenway Park the, the place that it is and just walking around the ballpark and just enjoying it, you know, completely deserted, just you and me. I mean, that was, that was a pretty cool thing. And then we got to call a game, uh, you know, the, uh, the Sea Dogs, you know, played against Harrisburg that day and Travis Shaw hit a home run into the bullpen, you know, pr- you know, previewing his big league career. And then all of a sudden, you know, the game was over and, you know, that was, that was kind of your day, but I, I went and auditioned for a job at the sports hub and, and somehow got it. Uh, so mm-hmm. it was, it was the 
wildest, craziest, uh, one of the longest and coolest days of my life. And it's something that I'll never forget. And you're, you're kind of front and center uh, right there in those memories is, you know, one of the, the defining days of my career and, and really my life as a whole. And, uh, what yeah. a cool day. So, I mean, you know, you just talk and pinch yourself, really. And this is, yeah. what, five, six years later. And I just pinch yourself. It was just it was the type of day you never forget. Yeah, I, I, I love it. And I see pictures of you and I on Facebook. But, I you know, and, and this I'm meaning this I'm making it about you, too, here. Like it, it makes me just seeing that, like thinking of that day you had, and in that audition, we played during the day, so you had to wait a bit, right? Was that was probably one of your longest days in your lifetime, right? Being up. Yeah, oh, I would say so because we got up at probably four or five in the morning. I uh, drove down to Fenway, and the audition started at ten o'clock that night. So yeah. after the after you know we had you know the most amazing time you know calling a game at Fenway Park, which is which is the dream when you you know grow up and you want to be a broadcaster and you grow up as a Red Sox fan, then all of a sudden you're there calling a game at Fenway Park, and then you leave from there and you go over to a bar over by the Garden, you know where they had the uh, the audition uh, for the finalists for the job at the Sports Hub, and uh, my audition went I think I went at ten thirty or eleven that night. Uh, you know, found out at midnight that I got the job and, and that was, you know, so unbelievably cool. And I got back to my car and the air, the air had been let out of my tires. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> got, oh yeah. I've got to get, I've got to get up to Portland because you know, <laughs> we have a, we had a, we had a, you know, day game the next day and I'm sitting there outside the garden at about 1230 saying, what am I going to do? So yeah. I somehow got over to a, to a gas station, was able to put air in, the, you know, in three or four of the tires and I uh, got back to Portland at about four in the morning. So long day, uh, but the type of day that you never forget. That's for sure. Yeah. yeah Matt's on Twitter, Matt McCarthy, 98.5 and uh, the sports hub. They're doing great things. I mean, the radio stations in Boston forever have been great. What I really like too about social media is, we're all so busy, so I get a chance to follow what's going on in your life through Twitter, and I see you guys hanging out at Chinese food places, and <laughs> and uh, you're doing well there, and I'm and I know that those guys that have been there have been really good to you, and I'm glad because you know people that are getting into this business, it's not easy, and it's good that the people who've been there have been really good to you. You know, Mike, I, I think one of the reasons we've been so successful at the Sports Hub, and I mean, you know, obviously, have been, if you've been following, you know the station at all for the last 10 years, you know that it's it's probably become the most successful sports station uh, in the entire country. I mean, the ratings are just, you know, it's unbelievable uh, how the station does. And I think one of the reasons and one of the primary reasons we're so successful is that I have not met a single bad person at the station. Uh, everybody gets along really, really well. Everybody really enjoys working with one another. And, you know, that's good because, you know, you hear about some stations and, you know, there are a lot of egos to go around. And, you know, there are a lot of people who, you know, maybe don't treat people the, the way that they should. And that's just, that's just not the case at the Sports Hub. I mean, you know, people will come up to me and they, they hear that I work at the Hub and they say, well, how's Mike Felger? How's Tony Maserati or, you know, anybody else, you know, that they mentioned at the station and, I say it until I'm blue in the face, face, and it's true. I mean, everybody there, they're seriously extremely nice people, very helpful, very talented people, and I really do think it's one of the reasons we've been so successful. I mean, you know, they're equally as talented as they are genuinely nice people, and I, and I think that's that's one of the reasons we've been so successful. Yeah, I've learned that more and more. And I take, you know, if I was running a business – you know, you maybe you would take the person that's that's able to work with others that might maybe is less talented maybe than someone else, but it, it's it just gets to the point where if you're working with a lot of people you can't stand and and they're not good team players, it just drains the energy out of you. 
you know, Mike, in radio, I've always said the the six degrees of separation is more like two or three. Everybody yeah. knows everybody in this business. And, and I think, you know, working with good people is so important in, in any line of work, but particularly in this business where everybody knows everybody. Um, I think it's crucial, you know, to treat people well. Uh, and, and that's, that's what everybody at, at our station has certainly done. It really, you really appreciate it because it's, it's probably not like that in other places. I mean, I'm not naive and, you know, I, I understand that, you know, some other places just aren't, you know, they just don't have the camaraderie or, you know, the team, you know, work ethic that we all have uh, at the sports hub. But, uh, you know, we, we are certainly lucky uh, to have the culture that's been built at that station. And I think it's one of the reasons we've been so successful. Yeah. I really like a lot of the guys that work there. I had a chance to, to work with Mike Felger a little bit, uh, back in 2006 at ESPN, and, and Great uh, guy. yeah, he is. You know, and people ask me when it, when I worked there, they would always. Uh, They'd say, what was he like? I'm like, he's great. And, and I felt the same way you did. And then Maz was up here a few years ago with his son. Uh, I know Bob Sosi that does the Patriots. I love Zolak. Oh, yeah. Bob, Bob, Bob Sosi is, is one of, you want to talk about one of the most oh, really yeah. nice people yep. you will ever meet in this business. And, and Bob was a long time. Uh, you know, minor league baseball guy. I mean, you, you want to talk, you want to talk baseball with somebody. Bob Sosi's a very good person to do that with. The nicest guy, really, yeah. the nicest guy. Yeah, Bob and I worked together in the Carolina League in 1997. He was with the Frederick Keys, and uh, I've really enjoyed watching him rise up. And a lot of these guys you meet, um, and they're just they're amazing people. It's just that, like you said, this business is tough. There's egos. People don't like when other people succeed, but. You know, I'm. I think you and I are a lot alike. You just do your job. You, if you're good at it, you're going to move up. If you're in a place that you love, you know, you got to deal with it sometimes. Um, you're not always going to get what you want, but if you truly love what you're doing, you should be happy. Yeah, and you know, we experience that a lot too at the sports hub because you know there have been very few openings at the station. We've obviously you know basically had the same lineup uh, that we had you know from day one now in. in approaching year 10 of our of our of our run um it, but it's been pretty much the same lineup but there have been a few changes here or there and they've promoted from within a few times and you know there are people in my position uh you know part-time guys fill-in guys you know and we all would like to move up in this yeah. business we all would like to move up in this industry but you know whenever there's an opening people have been you know, truly genuinely supportive of everyone else saying hey if i don't get it i'd really like you to get it you know or you know just hey you know i think you'd be a really good here and people people have truly been just very nice and supportive of one another of one another even though i guess we are technically competing with each other yeah but it doesn't feel it doesn't feel that way and i'm sure it's not like that in other places but it just it does not feel that way with us uh and and i'm certainly grateful for that yeah i agree i mean in the and you see the i mean you saw this with the baseball guys they're all pretty tight and we're all root for each other and and it's good, you know. I like that everyone's behind everybody, and and you think highly of them because it's not easy. And I think that's it's a good thing to learn too because it's a good comparison to life too. That this is it's a fun thing to do, but it's just it's not going to come A B C one two three. Right, and there's a lot of camaraderie in in what we do. And, and Mike, I mean, obviously, you know what it's like being out on the road, you know, working minor league baseball, working 17 hour days, seven days a week, you know, from March to September, and you know what it's like. And you know, the broadcasters around the Eastern League, and you know, broadcasters in baseball, they're all going through the same thing. Yeah. And yes, you know, you're all 
looking to advance to AAA or looking to advance the major leagues, and one or two of those jobs open opens up every off season, and you know you're probably you know up against some of the people that you've really gotten to know, and you know you've gotten to know over the years doing what you do. But at the same time, there's just that it's it's kind of a brotherhood, a sisterhood, a family, you know, that that really goes along with it because very few people do what we do. It's, yeah. it's such a small industry. And I think everybody has, in some ways, that same experience. They knows they know what goes into it. They know the joys that come from this industry. They know the hardships that come from working you know, in radio, working in baseball, working in sports. You know, however, however you want to do it, they know the sacrifices they have to make to be successful in this industry and, mm. and to work in it. You know, I mean, a lot of other people work real jobs you know we don't no <laughs> and we're very no. we're very lucky for that but at the same time there is a lot that goes with it you know the, yep. you're being away from home you know the, the working long hours for not as much money as a lot of us would like and i think you know a lot of people are able to really bond over that the good people in this business are able to bond over that you know i saw how you interacted with all the eastern league broadcasters and you know i've kept in touch with a few of them and it's just it's a it's a good industry with good people i think that's what you consistently find because i think a lot of times the bad apples are weeded out because you know everybody knows everybody and if you don't treat people well then that goes around or it should, you know, go around that word should go around. And, uh, I think it's, it's one of the reasons why you encounter so many good people, uh, in this business. Yeah, that's a good point. I know you've, you've, you've mentioned that a couple of times about everybody knowing each other. And, and I've, you know, I've thought of, you don't burn bridges because, uh, yeah, people will find out, but yeah, it's more about that. We all know each other too. And I'm completely honest when I tell you this, I love the guys, uh, that I work with in this league. I love the guys I work with in the office, but, the, the broadcasters, we truly love each other. We go out together. Uh, you know, if we have a rain out, we do things. But we are really close. And some of the guys that I've met over the years are some of my best friends that I would do anything for. And I really mean that. Yeah, and, you know, I had a good friend of mine who, who called minor league baseball in the California League for a few years. And uh, he recently just, just moved on to a different career path and got engaged and everything and, and made that decision to – you know, get out of baseball for his future wife and future family. And, you know, I certainly respect that. But, you know, he talked about, you know, the experiences of, of going on the road because his team, you know, wouldn't pay for him to go on the road mm. and they wouldn't pay for the hotels. So he got to know, you know, his first year there, he wasn't traveling or he was only traveling to cities, you know, where he could stay. But by the end of that first year, he got to know all the broadcasters in the league and nearly every single other broadcaster in that league said, hey, I've got a couch if you want to, you know, if you want to travel the team won't pay for your hotel room but you know hey if you want to call these games you know if you're you know staying down here in in rancho you know cucamonga you know down in the you know southern california league and he was up in the northern california league and if you're traveling down south you can crash on my couch for three four nights for this series of course you're more than welcome to and and you encounter so many of those stories in minor league baseball and in radio yeah Uh, and it's 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 it i think goes to show the the good quality people that you often encounter yeah that's a great story and uh sticking with great stories matt boston red sox in 2018 were just flat out dominant and i thought that the world series i thought the dodgers did the best they could i just thought the red sox were that much better and it wouldn't have mattered who they played in that last round yeah they seemed like a real wagon you know at that point and you know once they got past the astros a team that i thought they were pretty evenly matched with going into that series. I mean, that Astros team were the defending World Series champions. I mean, you know, they got great pitching, you know, a great young 
uh, lineup. And, you know, once they, they steamrolled them in five games, uh, I was pretty convinced the Red Sox were going to win the World Series uh, with relative ease. And I guess they kind of did. But, I mean, you know, look at the fight the Dodgers put up, particularly in that 18-inning game. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it was a good series nonetheless, even though it was five games. Uh, you know, really all, you know, games three and four in L.A. were spectacular games. So, you know, game three going 18 innings. Game four, the Red Sox pull off that big comeback in the final three innings. Uh, there was a lot to really sink your teeth into that series. And, and, and the Red Sox, just proved you know any of the doubters wrong. I mean, obviously they they won 108 games in the regular season, but I think there were legitimate concerns, Mike, about you know the status of their pitching staff, particularly their bullpen going into the playoffs. You know, Chris Sale obviously wasn't himself; he was hurt. Uh, you know, Joe Kelly, nobody saw that coming. Nobody no. saw it coming from Ryan Brazier or Matt Barnes. Uh, you know, Craig Kimbrell, the guy everybody thought you were going to be able to trust, he was their worst pitcher out of the bullpen, and yet they still won in five games. It just goes to show how remarkably talented they were, and uh, and just what what a team they were. I mean, you know, 108 wins, 119 wins, not a fluke. I mean, they were a wagon from start to finish and I think one of the most enjoyable Red Sox seasons any of us have ever seen yeah I mean it was just ridiculous and I've seen this coming for years I've been saying it on my broadcast and it's only because you can see it every day and you saw it too when you were working in the Eastern League the game is getting younger and and we're seeing it even more now younger players are able to go up and perform better than ever I think that's what's really influencing uh, owners not to sign a lot of these big names and give them 10 years because I think player development, Matt, is at the best level it's ever been. And I think we're going to see even more younger guys and, and the game is going to get even younger when Vladimir Guerrero goes up. But I really like the direction it's heading. Yeah, I do too. Um, you know, and, and I think Major League Baseball needs to find a, a way to market these young players, which I think they have really not done well. But you look at the, the, the health of the game as far as a talent perspective. I think it's as, health, as healthy as it's been in so long. And it is the young talent. And, you know, drafting is becoming more of an exact science. You know, I watch a lot of these kids uh, play on the Cape League because I'm fortunate to live uh, 20 minutes from two Cape League teams. Uh, so, you know, I watch a lot of these kids play in the summer in the Cape and, you know, 15 Cape Leaguers are drafted uh, every year in the first round. And it seems like eight of them are in the big leagues within the first two or three years. And, you know, it seems like player development has become just so advanced really in the last, I don't know, 10 years. And you would know better than I would, you know, spending a lot of time in minor league baseball, but it's just, you know, the, and the fact that these kids are coming up and they're having an immediate impact, you know, they used to be, okay, well, you know, you come up and, you know, someone have a good rookie season, but by year two or three, they're developing into the players that they eventually become. I mean, you're seeing Juan Soto, Acuna, I yeah. mean, just right off the bat, 19-year-old kids. I mean, how many 19-year-old kids do you see in Major League Baseball right now, you know, becoming immediately the face of the game? Um, I think it's excellent for baseball, and I think the game is in good hands moving forward. Yeah, and I think it has accredited to uh, the amateur game everywhere because the international players are even better at a younger age, so a credit to that. And uh, I'm excited because, you know, for me, I'm in my 40s. I like seeing younger players. They're they're exciting. Mookie, Aaron Judge, uh, Soto, and I'm, I can't wait for Vladimir Guerrero Jr. to be in the big leagues. This guy is unbelievable. So I think it's great, and I think it appeals to all ages. Yeah, I do too. And, you know, the, you look at the future of the Red Sox now, Mike, and I, I think people are really starting to appreciate – 
how important it is to develop uh, and you know, your own players, your own cost control players that you can control for six years because the Red Sox are going to have a bit of a reckoning coming in the next two years because all these players that you know we saw come through Portland in 2013. And I mean, you want to talk about you know thanking my lucky stars that 2013 was my year in Portland. Matt Barnes, Xander Bogarts, Christian Vasquez, all of these guys were coming through Portland in 13, 14, and 15, yeah. as you can attest to. And now all of a sudden, you know, we're heading into 2019 and 2020, and they're hitting, you know, their second and third years of arbitration, and we're a year or two away from this entire roster hitting free agency. You know, the Red Sox are going to have some tough decisions to make, and the problem is they don't have that next influx of players, or at least it doesn't seem that way. You know, they don't have the next Mookie Betts or the next Andrew Bogarts or the next Jackie Bradley Jr. All of these guys that they developed over a two- or three-year period of time doesn't seem like they have that next wave coming and, and they're going to have some decisions to make you know with with the money that they're going to have to spend to try and keep this team together and it doesn't seem realistic that they can keep all of them i mean you really wish like they had somebody in the system that could say okay well if bradley leaves you replace him with this guy it kind of doesn't seem like he's there yeah but it also feels like the system that's in place now the way they pay these guys this is going to maybe create some problems because you you have players that are putting up MVP numbers, but the, the teams control you still so they can pay you 585000 I know that is a lot of money, but then you have to give them more money right away. Mookie deserved that. So if the younger guys are going up there and impacting more, they're going to get more money. So what's going to happen? What's going to happen? Like teams are going to say, hey, we can't pay all. What, do, what if a team has five or six stud young guys and they're all up? I mean, it's just going to be chaos everywhere. Yeah, and you know, you you look at the Red Sox, and, and they have the ability to retain some, most, all of those players. But you know, you smaller market teams are not going to be able to keep uh, those players, and, and we see it happen a million times in baseball. You know, small market team will have two or three great years, like the Kansas City Royals. They developed all of those guys at the same time, and they all hit free agency last year. And, yeah. you know, that team has, has, you know, really, you know, gone on tough times and they're going to have to hope that they can develop all these players again over the course of a two or three year, you know, time frame and then have two or three years where they compete. But then all of a sudden, Eric Hosmer and Mike Moustakis are gone. Yeah. You know, and, you yeah. know, you can only keep one and you keep Sal Perez and, you know, it's a good player to keep. But when you're losing your entire World Series winning team because you can't afford to keep them, you know, because they're all hitting free agency at once and there wasn't that gradual buildup where you can perhaps budget it a little bit, uh, you know, I think the system could, you know, maybe use some tweaking to at least help the small market teams. Yeah, okay. And the the last part of this I want to talk about, uh, you know, before I let you go, and I appreciate this, is the Patriots. And this is just ridiculous, um, this run that they've been on. I mean, I grew up when they were awful. I used to watch the games hoping that they were just in the game for a half. That's how pathetic they were. But this is just this is ridiculous what they've done in this window when the league created a, a salary system that they didn't want what the Patriots were doing. You know, you got to give them credit for finding ways around the cap, way to, to you know, the, the plug and play guys, but I am still in awe of this franchise. It's it's just unbelievable. Yeah, it really is, Mike. I mean, eight straight years in the AFC Championship game. It's become the Tom Brady Invitational. He's played in the <laughs> AFC. This will be 13, what he's been a starter for 17 years, and he's reached the AFC Championship game or better 
in 13 of those seasons. I mean, this, this isn't, but this isn't, doesn't happen in any sport, you know, let alone football where they designed the entire league to be, okay, you get two or three years like the San Francisco 49ers, you get two or three years where you're an elite team and then that's it. Yeah. You're done. I mean, that's, it's not supposed to work this way. I mean, they've had, they've had leaner years than others, but only by their standards, you know, I'm, I'm still not sure about the talent on this team. You know, I'm not sure about their ability to win a Super Bowl. I have my doubts, but yet we're waking up today and they're in the AFC championship game again in a year where I thought that, you know, they're not as good as they were in 2014 or 2016. I think that's pretty clear, but they're still there. Uh, it's amazing how they've bucked the trend and, and they've really, you know, defeated the entire system around the around the NFL. They really have. Yeah. You know, I will say, though, I've gone into years with this team in the playoffs where I thought their secondary in defense was an absolute joke. And they proved me wrong. And, and one, this is an unbelievable secondary. I mean, I think that's something that's gotten lost in all of this that maybe when they're offensively not they're not as good as maybe some of those other teams but on that side of the ball I mean it's it's amazing to see how drastic that has been because we've seen other years where man they had some suspects out there yeah it's I mean you think about the guys that they you know trotted out there in in years past when Lee Bodden was your best corner and I mean, there were, you know, I mean, they probably win, a, you know, another Super Bowl or two if you're not trotting out the likes of Sterling Moore uh, in, you know, the, the Super Bowl against uh, against the Giants in 2011. You know, it, it is it is interesting, Mike, because the secondary is good, and I have faith in the secondary. But you know, the the I guess the historic strength of the Belichick era defenses have been up front, and that's where I think they've got some real issues. I, I don't like their talent at linebacker. Um, you know, defensively on the line, you know, they've they've really get you know they've had a number of games where they've absolutely been carved up by the running game and you know you wonder if that will happen again here maybe even this weekend against kansas city and outside of trey flowers i really don't like anything they have on that defensive line so it is different i'm still not sure what to make of this defense because you know there have been games where they've looked great i mean they looked great against the steelers and that high-powered offense they looked great against the chargers and that high-powered offense but yet they've had games like miami and tennessee where they've been Torn to shreds, and I think you know for the most part the trend is on the road. They don't yeah. play well defensively on the road outside of that Pittsburgh game, and that's my big concern heading into this weekend. You know they're going to have to win a lower scoring game this weekend. I think if, if they're going to win this this AFC Championship game, so you know does this defense show up? I still don't know. I, I'm not I'm not sold on it. You know they've they've given me some hope over the last few weeks, but I'm definitely not sold on it, and I don't think anybody should be sold on it uh, with some of the trends that we've seen from them, particularly on the road this year. That's my major concern. Yeah, it's a, and uh, you got the top four teams in the NFL playing, which is great. And uh, we do see this every year, though, Matt. And we we tend to, you know, a lot of NFL people forget that, you know, I, I see people tweeting that, wow, the, the teams that are playing good defense are winning. But that seems to happen every year this time of year. I mean, right. I don't know why we forget that every year. It's, it's just funny to see some of those tweets. <laughs> you know, it, it is it is the old adage. And, you know, we try to avoid cliches in our business, Mike, yeah. but I mean, defense does win championships. And if the Patriots got one stop last year, one measly stop against a backup quarterback, 
they win the Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, it really it really comes right down to that. So I guess I'm you know still a little scarred from last year too, where I did see the secondary, which I thought was talented last year, and you know they've been even better this year. You know, are they going to have that game where they just inexplicably get torn apart? You know, the way yep. that the Eagles did to them last year. Devin McCourty, who I think is a great player, had probably the worst game of his career in the Super Bowl. You know, Jason McCourty has been a good player sometimes. You know, sometimes a very good player for them. Sometimes a little bit more suspect you know what what do you see from this unit uh on sunday and on the biggest stage and particularly on the road um i think there are a lot of questions there and i think anybody who says they're fully confident in that defense uh they're probably kidding yourself kidding themselves a little bit matt i gotta ask you what's the dream job is it to be a sports radio host in the morning afternoon or you know, Mike, I'm I'm still not sure. Um, I love I love sports radio. It's been a great experience for me. Um, you know, I could see, you know, more administrative stuff on the radio side. Any anywhere yeah. in broadcasting, though. Um, you know, I could see myself, uh, you know, teaching someday. You know, I was very lucky at, at Ithaca College to have a you know great uh, you know director of our college radio station who you know helped inspire students to pursue this as a career path you know i could see myself getting back into minor league baseball again you know i'm not really sure what the dream is but it's something along these lines and i guess i'll just keep chasing it right <laughs> yes all right tell mom and dad hello to your family i love them they're great mike you pass that along to your family as well great people and uh always always good to talk with you and uh i'm going to be up in portland in a few months and can't wait to see you awesome that was great stuff by matt mccarthy and uh, to go back to that day at Fenway Park, we did get there super early, and we walked Fenway. We took tons of pictures, and uh, we were pretty much the only ones in the ballpark at that time. And that's when the Sea Dogs and a lot of the minor league teams in the Red Sox system would play a game at Fenway, and uh, it was called the Futures at Fenway, and we'd love to be able to do that again. So thank Matt. Follow him on Twitter, Matt McCarthy985. Got a great baseball podcast. Follow me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Behind the Mic. Make sure to click like, want the feedback, want to hear from you, to continue to get better. That's what we do. And I was uh, talking about this on Twitter a couple days ago. We have a great bunch of main personalities around here as well that are in TV, radio, and the podcast world. I want to promote my good buddy Justin Phillips, Sports Sales and Coffee. Search that podcast. It is excellent. He has got great advice. He's got a great delivery. He's a big personality. He's outstanding. Take a listen to that. Thank you for listening to this podcast this week. We'll see you next Friday. Peace and love. Out, out.